Ladies and gentlemen, this is a speech on the introduction to the Bible being God's absolute inerrant written word. I need to read to you the first few sentences of introduction explaining the ICBI, the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy, and the document it created in 1978 called the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. First of all, here are the points that need to be made at this point. That the Bible is the absolute and inerrant, no errors, written word of God to all mankind has been the clear, unchanging teaching of Jesus and all the human authors of the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament and of all the respected church fathers and leaders of Christianity for the past 2,000 years. Point two. So those who claim the Bible is part true and part false stand totally opposed to the Bible and to all the teaching of the leaders in church history over the past 2,000 years. Point three. By the 1970s, it was apparent that much of old liberalism, plus the false teachings of neo-orthodoxy, which follows the misleading teachings of Bart and Bruner from 1919 on, had crept quietly into many churches, Christian colleges and seminaries and denominations of evangelical Bible-believing churches. And it urgently needs to be corrected. Point four, in recognizing this dangerous false teaching, by 1976, the Lord called me to launch the ICBI, the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy, to gather an army of theologians to defend the Bible as being the inerrant, absolute word of God to the church, to clarify the truth, and to deal strongly and oppose those patchers and teachers within evangelicalism who were teaching a false view of the Bible. The first theologians I called into this early team of theologians were R.C. Sproul, Dr. Francis Schaeffer, J.I. Packer, Norm Geisler, D. James Kennedy, Greg Bonson, Jack Gershner, and Gleason Archer. Our major first meeting was over Reformation Weekend in 1978 in Chicago, where our theologian created the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, which clarified the 17 falsehoods about the Bible then being taught by the liberal and neo-Orthodox theologians within evangelical Bible-believing churches. The ICBI Statement on Biblical Inerrancy is now included as Document 1 in our book of 24 theological statements explaining the teaching on 24 controversial topics in the church. In our book, Rebuilding Civilization on the Bible. That book was published by CORE and Nordskog Publishing in 2014. A few of the major falsehoods 
included in those 19 articles on inerrancy are as follows. And I'll be dealing with each one of these, one at a time, from a little book I wrote called The Bible and Your Worldview. The first two articles of the 19 articles do not deal with falsehoods of neo-orthodoxy, but to make the distinction between the Catholic and the Protestant view of authority. The Catholics believe that the written Word of God and the Church's official councils make up the total of God's absolute revelation to mankind in language. The Protestants believe only the Bible, the inerrant Word of God, the Bible, is our source of written revelation from God, the only source. I might say most of us serious Protestants believe a huge percentage of the Catholics who love the Lord and love the Bible will make it to heaven, that uh, our different view in views of authority uh, do not change that fact, though it affects some teachings we have. So there are eight points in, I'm, I'm quoting from the ICBI statement on errancy from my little booklet here. Uh, which explains the inerrancy of the Bible in general. So the first point is point number three, where the falsehood the neo-Orthodox teachers teach is the Bible is merely a witness to revelation or becomes revelation encounter. The Bible itself is not absolute divine revelation. Black marks on a white page can never be revelation in and of themselves. That's the neo-Orthodox view. And our answer is in article number three of the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. We affirm that the written Word of God is, in its entirety, is revelation given by God. We deny that the Bible is merely a witness to revelation, or only becomes revelation in encounter, or depends on the responses of men for its validity. That was point A. Point B is item number four in the Chicago Statement. And uh, the falsehood the neo-Orthodox teach, which item four corrects, is human language is inadequate as a vehicle to communicate divine, absolute truth to mankind. And our answer in item number four is, the correct biblical answer we claim is, we affirm that God who made mankind in His image has used language as a means of revelation. We deny that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation. We further deny that the corruption of human culture and language through sin has thwarted God's work of inspiration. 
Point C is number seven. Uh, pardon me. Uh, where am I here? Yes, number seven in the uh, articles the from the Chicago Statement. The falsehood the New Orthodox uh, teachers teach is the Bible as a book is not qualitatively different from any other book. The biblical writers were unusually sensitive to God's movement in their lives and in the history around them and recorded as best they could what they observed without miraculous intervention wherever God was choosing each word. And our answer in the Chicago Statement is in number seven is, we affirm that inspiration was the work in which God, by His Spirit, through human, through human writers, gave us His Word. The origin of Scripture is divine. The mode of divine inspiration reminds largely a mystery to us. <clears throat> Point D is, deals with number eight of the Chicago Statement. And it's the, the false teaching of the Neo-Orthodox is, the doctrine of inerrancy, as Warfield states it, requires that God dictated the sentences and bypassed the personalities of human authors. And our answer in article number eight is, we affirm that God, in His work of inspiration, utilized the distinctive personalities and literary styles of the writers whom He had chosen and prepared. We deny that God, in causing these writers to use the very words that He chose, overrode their personalities. Point E. Number 12 of the 19 articles was written to counteract this falsehood by the Neo-Orthodox. The Bible is true in matters of faith and practice, doctrine and morals, but it is not necessarily true when it, when it speaks of matters of interest to history and science. And uh, my statement on that how ridiculous it is, is this. The neo-orthodox and liberals today ask us to believe, to have total confidence in the Bible, wherein it speaks of matters of the invisible heavenly realm, which, is, which are not available or open for historical and scientific verification and falsification. But, those neo-Orthodox teachers teach that we are to have little or no confidence in wherever the Bible speaks of matters dealing with either history or science, which is open to falsification or verification. So they ask us to believe by a leap of faith. That's one of their uh, existential falsehoods they got from Kierkegaard. And the whole... Uh, a set of extra philosophical problems we're dealing with now with these crazy neo-orthodox theologians is that they have followed Immanuel Kant, K-A-N-T, a German philosopher who in 
1781 wrote his book, The Critique of Pure Reason, and he divided reality up into two airtight compartments, the invisible world of God and religion, separated by a hundred-foot concrete-thick wall from the world of science and history, time and space, matter and energy, where we live. Kant believed there were, they were such, these were such airtight compartments, there could be no communication from God to man or from man to God, which was either in language or logic. Kant's point was that language and logic cannot penetrate from God through the hundred-foot thick concrete wall to the area of time and space where God created Adam. So that's crazy, but they, and most of them don't even, haven't even read Kant and don't even know about Kant, but he was the one they're following because all philosophy in the physical world uh, from 1850 on was absorbed by Kant and all philosophy is divided like B.C. and A.D. as pre-Kant before 1781 and post-Kant after 1781. And uh, all the pagan, non-Christian, non-biblical philosophers of today and of the last, what, 200 years have been influenced, so influenced by Kant that they think there is no logical or linguistic communication between the invisible world of God and heaven and angels and the physical world where mankind lives in time and space, matter and energy. So, Moving on to uh, point 15 of the Church C Council, I mean the uh, ICBI statement, Chicago statement on inerrancy. The falsehood our team of theologians uh, counteracted was <coughs> the inerrant, the Neo-Orthodox teaching, the Bible does not teach inerrancy. And our statement in Article 15 says, We affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy is grounded in the teaching of the Bible about inspiration. Then in Article 16, <coughs> the Neo-Orthodox falsehood we, we uh, counteract is this. The doctrine of the inerrancy of Scripture is new on the scene of church history. It was invented by Turretin in the 17th century and was popularized by in the 1900s by B.B. Warfield. It was not believed by the early church, Augustine, the Roman Catholics, or the Reformers. This is pure poppycock. This is total foolishness. An absolutely false statement. Here is our answer in number, uh, article number 16. <clears throat> we affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy has been integral to the church's faith throughout the history, throughout its history. 
and lastly, doctrine, uh, article number 19 of these eight key falsehoods the liberals and neo-orthodox want you to believe is higher criticism, well, pardon me, inerrancy may be rejected without any serious consequences to the church or to personal holiness. And our statement reads, we affirm that a confession of the full authority, infallibility, and inerrancy of Scripture is vital to a sound understanding of the whole of the Christian faith. We further affirm that such confession should lead to increasing conformity to the image of Christ. And here's a major point. We deny that such confession is necessary for salvation. However, we further deny that inerrancy can be rejected without grave consequences, both to the individual and to the church. I would close with this statement by me, taking off on that last Article 19 in the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy by the International Council on Biblical Inerrancy. <clears throat> Thus, I claim Christian leaders faithful and obedient to God's inerrant word should warn the church and all future Christian leaders that such neo-orthodox falsehoods should be condemned by the church leaders, and those teaching such neo-orthodox falsehoods should be excommunicated from evangelical churches. May God use this 23-minute teaching by me uh, on the inerrancy of the Bible and the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy to strengthen the church and particularly the future leaders of the church in the next 5, 10, and 20 years as the battle will really heat up, we'll need to be strong and united. And let me close with a short word of prayer. Lord God, in Jesus' name, I pray those hearing this uh, video presentation We'll take it seriously, we'll believe, we'll have reason to believe that your Bible is inerrant and absolute and a clear word from God to mankind without error and that the whole Bible is to be read over and over by serious Christians and to obey it and to not obey the Bible is the most foolish thing Christians can do and to obey everything God teaches in the Bible is the wisest things, thing we Christians can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. God bless you.